This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Power armor on. The believer needs to put on the whole armor of God so he can stand successfully against the wiles of the devil. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. And then um, in case you weren't able to write, girdle of truth, girdle of truth represents a clear understanding of the word of God. The girdle of truth represents a clear understanding of the word of God. The breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, Jesus is our righteousness. So we put him on. Amen. He's our righteousness. By virtue of the new birth and understanding that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And also, that breastplate of righteousness also speaks of our active obedience to the word of God. Our active obedience to the word of God. And the third piece of the armor, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What does that speak of? A faithful ministry. In proclaiming the word of God. A faithful ministry in proclaiming the word of God. Now does it mean so that you can put that armor on. You need to go to full time ministry. No. Every believer has been given the ministry of reconciliation. We can share God's word with people. With the lost. Amen. Faithful ministry in proclaiming the word of God. Then the shield of faith. The shield of faith. What does that speak of? Complete safety. Complete safety. Praise God. And refuge under the blood of Jesus. Complete safety and refuge under the blood of Jesus. Where no enemy can penetrate. Complete safety and refuge under the blood of Jesus. Where no enemy can penetrate. The shield of faith. Jesus, because of his finished work of redemption. Amen. We have redemption through his blood. So that shield of faith. Our protection, complete safety and refuge through the blood of Jesus. Faith in that blood where no enemy, no fiery dart of the enemy can penetrate. Amen. Then the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation speaks of us renewing our minds with the word of God. And also the hope of salvation. The hope of Jesus' soon return. The hope of Jesus' soon return. First John 3, 3 calls it a purifying hope. He that has this hope in him purifies himself. First Thessalonians 5, 8, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And then the Bible talks about the sword of the spirit, the sword of the spirit, which is our only offensive weapon, our only offensive weapon that we use in wielding of the devil. How do we use that weapon? By speaking God's word. We put God's word in our spirits and we speak it out of our mouths. Now, there's a lot of hairs that ha people split over this Logos or Rhema thing. I've heard people say that, well, you can't just act on the Logos. That you have to let God, how to turn the Logos into a Rhema. You know, that it's only when God quickens his scripture. That when you are faced with a situation, you need to pray. So that God will then give you a word. Then when you now have that word, and then they will say that, Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the rhema of God. And that this place too says, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. Yeah, it's true. Rhema was used in both places. The first one in Romans 10, why was rhema used there? Just read the context. He was talking about the preached word. 
Whosoever, verse 13, shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? So you see, the context of it is the preached word. And when someone preaches the word, he's speaking it. Right? Yes. Praise God. Really, when does faith come? When you hear God's word in your spirit. Now, is it true that sometimes God quickens some verses to us? Yes. God could speak a specific word to you. God could quicken a scripture to you. But listen, whether he quickens a scripture to you or doesn't quicken a scripture to you, Hebrews 4.12 says the logos of God is quickened. The logos of God is quickened. Just find the scripture that covers your case. Now, if God already tells you what to do, then do it. Don't do something else. If you are doing something else, you are disobeying what God told you to do. But look, I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I've proven. I'm telling you what I've experimented with. I got the same results. Whether God quickened the scripture, didn't quicken the scripture, the word of God is already quickened. Scripture is already quickened. Just find the one that is appropriate, rightly divide it, take it in the right context, apply it to your situation, it will work. So it's not like you face a situation and now pray, God, give me a word. God, quicken a word. God, quicken a word. My friend, shut up. God, do what he has already told you. What you are saying is that this written word, you see, some people unconsciously put down the written word of God. They exalt a vision more than the word. They exalt a prophecy more than the word. They exalt a revelation more than the word. They exalt an experience more than the word. But listen, the written word of God. Remember what Peter said in 1 Peter 1. When he said they were with him on the holy mount. You know, and they received some, such excellent majesty. When they heard that word, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased, hear ye him. And that was great. He now said, but listen up. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take it unto, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Now, when he says the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God, why it, it's called rhema here is the spoken word of God. You speak it out. Brother Hagen talked about one time, his uncle called him, that uh, uh, Sarah Janelle, she was sick, dying. Well, called, his, his uncle called his mom. His mom got a hold of him, that... Um, his niece, Sarah, she was dying. She was in ICU. Doctor says she won't come out of it. And his mom now said, his uncle said he should pray. Well, he just remembered Mark eleven twenty three, And he said, well, tell my uncle that Ken said, Sarah will live and not down will be all right. Well, his mom said, who? Have you heard from God? He said, yes, I've heard from God. I've heard from God in Mark eleven twenty three. As soon as he said that, it was like the mother, his mom just said, oh no. I thought God told you something about it. You mean it's just scripture? He said, someone asked him, did you have any kind of hot flash? He said, I didn't have a hot flash, a cold flash, a red flash. I didn't have any flash. Did God quicken anything to you? My God said, if anything, he perhaps felt backsliding. He didn't feel anything. But he just knew, well, this will be a good time to use this scripture. Was it quickening to him? It wasn't. It wasn't. But it's just God's word. I've done the same thing. You see, I, I deliberately, because I wanted to check out the truth. I heard this thing in the 90s, early 90s. You know, someone that I love and respect a lot had said something in one of his books that the reason uh, that Jesus walked on the water, there were these kids who tried to walk on the water and they drowned. And he's now said the reason they drowned was because they were trying to act on a logos. That no, it's only when you have a rhema. 
Now, that wasn't why they drowned. God does not give us scripture to walk on water. That was a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. You can't put your faith on a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. You can't, God didn't say, go and be walking on rivers. We don't have scripture that says that. That was a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. So rightly dividing the word will have clarified that. But to now say, no, God has to give you a rhema. And then that has put many people in bondage. They face a situation. The devil is coming, trying to put sickness on them. They are praying for a rhema. God, what do, I, what do I do? My friend, shut up! He has already told you, Matthew 8, 17, that he might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Stand on that! Stand on that! And then while you are standing on that, you cannot be praying. If there's anything specific God wants you to do, he will tell you. If he doesn't tell you anything, he has already told you what you need to know. And then they are now busy doing nothing, waiting for a word, praying to hear a word. Let's, I want to hear a word. I want to hear a word. God is just looking from heaven and saying, will these guys just wake up? They have a book full of words, 1,189 chapters of words from God. And it's already quickened. Folks have said, listen, it's the rhema that has power. Have you heard that before? That the logos doesn't have power. If that's the case, then Jesus doesn't have power. Because he is the Logos of God. In actual fact, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Logos of God is quickened, is quick, is already quickened, and it's powerful. You see, the Logos is the sum total of all of God's Ramas. Yeah, don't get into that. Logos, Rema, Rema, Logos. I'm trying to get a particular word. I'm trying to get... Now, there are some situations. You're trying to marry someone. She's like, should you go ahead? Should you not go ahead? Yeah, you may need to pray to hear from God what you should do in a specific situation like that. But over something God has already said clear cut in his word, what are you praying about? That's unbelief. What you're really saying is that God, I know you have said this, but I don't have confidence in it. The one I have confidence in is the one you speak. If you were to give me a revelation, if you were to speak to me, if you were to give me a vision, my friend, stop it. Yeah, just stop it, that nonsense. Just stop it. It's unbelief. Praise God. I know that from experience. All right. So, now, once we have the armor on, we're ready for prayer. Amen. We're ready for the prayer fight. Praying in the spirit will get the job done. So put on the whole armor. And like we said, be strong in the Lord. How do you get strong in the Lord? By being strong in the word. And secondly, be strong in the power of his might. We're going to have a time of question and answer. In case you have a question. And in case you're streaming also on Facebook and you have a question, get them ready. We'll try to take such questions too. Amen. So you can send them in. We'll endeavor to answer them. Do I have all the answers? I don't. But we'll just endeavor to look into the word of God. God's word has all the answers. Amen. And we'll endeavor to do our best from the word of God. Number 10. Number 10. We have authority over demon spirits. We have authority over demon spirits and not human wills. We have authority over demon spirits and not human wills. Well, we're not putting it on the board anymore. You know, yeah, decided not to so that folks can pay attention. We have authority over demon spirits and not human wills. Human wills, human, H U M A N, wheel, W I L, and an S, wills. We have authority over demon spirits 
and not over human wills. You see, 2 Corinthians 1.24 says, not that we have dominion over your faith. It says, but we are helpers of your joy. By faith ye stand. You don't have authority over somebody else's will. You don't. Now, sometimes I've heard dominion being presented like, if you have dominion, that means if you're in an office, you take charge. You control everything there. You know, if you're in a house, if you're in a family, you take charge. You control everybody. You control everything. Listen, that's not dominion. That's witchcraft. If as a believer, something about you is bossy, is domineering, you're a carnal believer. You need to outgrow it. You shouldn't be a bossy, domineering person. You should be a loving person. Dominion doesn't mean that you're in an office, you control everybody, you control everything, you know, you have the last word in any conversation. That's not necessarily dominion. That's just carnality. Amen. What are we to do with the devil? Take authority over him. What are we to do with God? Submit to him. What are we to do with fellow Christians? Walk in love towards them. As believers, we should be easy to get along with, with fellow believers. We should be loving. People should feel comfortable in our presence. Amen. Because we love them. We care about them. We are to love people. We are to love people. Not like, oh, that guy comes now. I can't say anything. Or, let me tell you something. If your wife is afraid of you, especially if you're a preacher, you will die young. I'm telling you. If your children are afraid of you, I'm not talking about respect. I'm talking about fear. You know, there are parents that come and the children run to the bed and pretend like they are asleep. Yeah, there are husbands. Their wives are afraid of them. You know, there are wives too that their husbands are afraid of them. Yeah. They might even be listening to me. <laughs> but just keep looking straight. No one will know I'm talking to you. It's not good. We're not to be bossy over fellow believers or, or even unbelievers. See, when the Bible says that he will make us the head and not the tail, we will be above only and not beneath. That's saying that, listen, your business will thrive. Well, if you're in class, you will excel. He's not talking about, I'm the head. I will put you under my armpits. I will dominate you. I will dominate. If people feel trampled upon around you, you're canal. You're acting like the devil. People shouldn't feel trampled upon around you. People should feel, we should love people. So our dominion is not over people. It's over the devil. It's over his cohorts. Amen. If you're a husband, you have to love your wife. Yes, wives are to submit to their husbands. But listen, it's a submission of love to the rule of love. Amen. Amen. You're not to, you know, let's say you're in charge somewhere. You're not to, you're not to force submission. If you have to force submission, something is the matter. Something is the matter. Now, of course, if you need to discipline people, you ought to discipline them. If you're in charge, you're in charge. You need to take charge. But take charge doesn't mean that you become a terror. You know, there was one film they showed, one series they showed on TV many years back. There was one fellow, they called him Fadei Oluru. Yeah. The people who know it know what I'm talking about. You shouldn't become a Fadei Oluru. The one that, hey, he has come. <laughs> when he's around, we're in trouble. No. There should be a pleasantness about you. That's real dominion. That you walk in love. That's real dominion. Amen. That people are not trampled upon. That's Christ-likeness. That's, you see, Jesus, eh? The kind of person Jesus was. 
that during the Lord's Supper, hmm, John, the Bap uh, John the Apostle, who used to be one of the sons of Boanerges, son of thunder, he was a lightning and fire, called down brimstone from heaven kind of person. But he became the apostle of love. You know, the Bible says he leaned on Jesus' breast, on his chest. My God. That doesn't look like somebody that they were afraid of. Jesus needed an insider so that the outsiders could know who the master was. So it doesn't look like when he's passing, everybody turns their face to the wall. We can't look up. He didn't look like that kind of a leader. He was the kind of person that he went to the house of publicans and sinners and he ate freely. He was the kind of person that little children were trying to come to him. His disciples were chasing them away. He said, no, let them come. So he was loving. That's real dominion. Not that, you know, everybody, is, as you're coming, people are scared of you. People are scared of you. It's not dominion. You are yielding to the devil. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So if something about you instills fear, now I know there is respect. There should be respect. You should teach people. You should be respectable. Do you understand? In an organization, in a system, you should teach people about honor, hierarchy, and all that. Yes, submission, authority. That's in place. But there's a difference between that and, you know, the kind of dominion that I dominate you. You know, if I'm talking, you can't talk. If I have an idea, you have idea. How can you have idea? You can't have idea when I have idea. No, that's devilish. That's walking in the flesh. That's carnality. That's not the believer's authority. That's not the believer's authority. Yeah, that's not the believer's authority. The authority of the believer is over the devil, over his forces, over his cohorts. Is that clear? Amen. So we have authority over demon spirits and not over human wills. For instance, you can't force healing on people. You can't force the new birth on people. Jesus never healed anybody and said, according to my faith, be it unto you. He never told anybody, whether you like it or you don't like it, you are getting saved now. You can't force somebody into salvation. You can't force somebody into healing. You can't force somebody into the blessings of God. You can break the devil's hold over people's lives such that they can now make their own independent decision. And most times, they'll make the right decision. But there are sometimes, a few times, they could make the wrong decision. It's not your fault. Is that clear? Okay, you believe that. It's like now. You say, you, uh, you say that lady, I've, I've received that from God. She's my wife. What if she doesn't want to be, she doesn't want you to be her husband? Eh, but God told me. Eh, what if God hasn't told her? The truth is this. Don't go to a lady and say God told you. Don't do it. That's manipulation. That's manipulation. That's really manipulation. If you like her, go and toast her. And tell her you like her. If she doesn't like you, it's a free world. Then you move on. Somebody else likes you. Amen. Amen. So you don't have control. You can't dominate the will of somebody else. One of our graduates called me one time. His mom had been sick. She died. So she, he called me. He was distraught. Told me my mom died. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. He said, but I was believing God. It's like, what happened? God did not come through. I believed God. I spoke the word. But my mother still died. I asked him, I said, what did your mother want? And he told me, yeah, she said she was going to die. I said, whoa, glory to God. It worked. He was startled. Hey, the fact that you are believing for her to live, and she is believing to die, whose faith will God honor? Two can't work together except they be agreed. Besides, it's not your life. It's your mother's life. Where somebody else's will is involved, what they want will prevail. 
Now, when your children are young and still under you, you have authority. You can exercise your authority, spiritual authority in their lives. But the time is going to come when God will say, put that big young one down and let him walk. And if he won't walk, well, too bad. Brother Higgin had an elder sister, Olita. Olita had cancer. She was in her early 50s. Well, he began to pray about it and just seek the Lord. And when the Lord told him, okay, between what I and the doctors will do, she will have five more years. Well, she lived another five years. That cancer was gone. Five years after, she had another cancer, totally unrelated to the first one. Then he began to pray about it. No, I don't want her to die. And then the Lord told him, listen up. Philippians 1.21 is just as true as Mark 11.23. Mark 11.23 talks about us speaking to the mountain. But Philippians 1.21 says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's scripture also. And that's inspired. She's had five years. She could have fed her faith. You're on radio in her city. She never tried to feed her faith. She never tried to develop her faith. Now she's going to have to get it on her own faith or else do without it. And she hadn't fed her faith, so she did without it. She went to heaven, jumping up and down streets of gold. Glory to God. Does that make the word of God, invalidate the word of God? No, it even validates it. Do you understand? So you can't force blessing on people. I used to hear some people pray, let's receive this for them. You can't receive something for somebody. You can receive for yourself. You can pray blessing on someone. But you can't force them to receive it. Man is a free moral agent. You see, God will defend the sinner's right to go to hell. The sinner can exercise such a right. He has a right to go to hell. God loves him so much that God will let him go if that's his decision. Yeah, that's love. Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. You tell him, you see, you shouldn't go to hell, though. And you actually don't have to go to hell. Because Jesus went to hell in your stead. And he paid the price in full. By putting your faith in him and in his substitutionary sacrifice. You come into God's family. And that's the right thing. You see, God said, I've said before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. And now, in case you still don't know which one to choose. He said, listen, choose life. Yeah, in case you're confused and you don't know which one is better. He's telling you, choose life. But he can't make you choose life. So, don't let's forget that. Don't let's forget that. Brother Hagin was on a healing line one time. He sensed in his spirit that somebody on that line had a, a demon, perhaps oppressing his body. Well, he got to the per he told himself, so when I get there, I just cast it out. He got to the man. It was about two or three people away. He got to him. Then he knew he was the one. As he was going to deal with it, the, the devil in him spoke up and said, you can't cast me out. He said, I can. The devil said, but he wants me. He said, you are right. I can't cast you out. He went to the next person. Yes. If he wants his devil, he will keep his devil. You can't force the devil out. He wants his devil. It's his devil. He wants it. What can you do about it? Nothing. You can't violate his will. Even God doesn't do that. If that was possible, don't you think Jesus would have known? Everybody would have been saved during his earth walk. And then would have gotten into the millennium by the next year. Man is a free moral agent. We have authority over demon spirits, not over human wills. There was this minister. He had sugar diabetes. Brother Hickey was going to preach in one camp meeting. He told the man, he said, come with me. The man said, all right, I'll be glad to. Then he said to him, he said, as long as you are with me, you will not register sugar. The man like, really? Okay. He went with him. He was with him 10 days. 
He checked because he used to inject himself with insulin. And he would determine what amount of insulin from his um, urine test. He would test his urine to see what his sugar level was like. Check, no sugar. You see, because there's polydipsia, polyphagia, you know, there's um, the, uh, uh, sugar also comes out in the urine of a diabetic because it exceeds the renal threshold. So they begin to pass it out. That's why if a diabetic urinates, you see ants go there because there's sugar in their urine. So he was checking his urine to see the amount of sugar there to know the amount of insulin he needs to inject. He checked, no sugar. The next day, no sugar. Ah, there are some things you shouldn't eat. Pies, cakes, he started eating them. He checked again, no sugar, no sugar, no sugar. For the 10 days he was with him, he didn't register sugar. The truth is that the man could have done it himself. Well, Brother Higgin left, the man went back to his base. He expected the sugar, the diabetes thing to come back. Sure enough, it did. Yeah, he should have used his own authority. Now, Brother Higgin had authority over those unseen forces while they were in his presence. Now, some things can't happen in my home. They don't. Mm -mm. The devil doesn't do some things. He knows. If he wants to do mess, he goes, he looks for where to do it. Not in my domain, not around my territory, because I know my authority and I use it. So some things don't happen around me. However, I have authority in my domain, not in your domain. If you come to my house and you're trying to rearrange my furniture without my permission, I will rearrange you. I'll throw you out because it's my house. I can't come to your house and start rearranging the furniture. Say, no, the children's bedroom shouldn't be here. No, your own bedroom should be there. And then I start do eh? I don't have that authority. I have authority in my domain. You have authority in your domain. Everybody has authority in their domain. You can't violate somebody else. Now, if someone gives you permission and says, look, I have this problem. I need help. Please help me. Then he has given you the authority or the permission to use your authority to help them. But you can't just take authority. That's why you can't go down the road and start casting devils uh, indiscriminately out of every madman you see on the streets. Some want their devil. There's nothing you can do about it. Man is a free moral agent. Is that clear? Amen. You see, oftentimes in the area of healing, people lose their healings, eh? Because they don't know that they can exercise authority over the devil. See, sometimes people are healed in a crusade through manifestations of the Holy Ghost. See, God reserves the right of divine sovereignty to do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it, provided he does not violate his word. And sometimes through what we call gifts of the Spirit, through manifestations of the Holy Spirit, God initiates some things. God initiates some blessings. The person may not be in faith, but God could just decide. Why does he do it? Well, I'm not God. Ask him. It's like Saul of Tarsus. Why... You know, with, Jesus doesn't appear, you know, did he appear to you when you got saved? In the Acts of the Apostles, thousands of people got saved. But we have record of only one person that had such an experience. So, God does things like that as he sees fit. Do you understand? Also, in line with his word. Sometimes he does them just to remind us that he's still alive and well. But the primary way God works is by faith in his word. So, sometimes... A fellow is in a meeting, you know, gifts of his spirit are in operation through the minister, and then people get healed, things happen, you know, or there is a mass faith in the atmosphere, everybody believing God. In an atmosphere like that, some people get healed. Or somebody comes out, maybe he's a bona fide baby Christian, he gives that minister permission 
So the minister uses his own faith, exercises his own authority, gets rid of their sickness. But what now happens is that they now get back home. And when they are now back home, they are now home. They are on their own. The devil is a thief. He comes out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. What does he do? Oftentimes, he camouflages the same sickness and the same problem. He tries to put it back on the people. See, Matthew 12, 43 to 45. The Bible says that when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and findeth none and says, I will go back to my house whence I came from. And when he's come to it, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Now, it's good it was garnished. It's good it was swept, but it's not good it was empty. You ought to stay full of the word and full of the Holy Ghost. And then what does that demon say? He says, I'll go to bring seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And then they now become eight. And the last state of the man is now worse than the first. It's just the principle. Whether it's a healing, whether it's deliverance from bad habits, whether it's deliverance from demonic influence, whatever it is you receive from God, the devil will try to contest it. The devil will try to steal it from you. Well, he could camouflage the symptoms. And I've seen this happen. I know one lady, I was in a meeting. I had a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. She was instantly healed. One of her ears that was dead popped open instantly. Some days afterwards, I met with her like a week after. Then she said she was beginning to have trouble with her hearing in that same uh, uh, ear that was healed. And I told her, I said, this is, is what happened to you. I said, momentarily, your hearing left in that particular ear. She said, yes. And then it was gone for a while. She said, yes. Then it came back. She said, yes. Then it left again. Then it came back. Then you said, well, I thought God healed me. I guess he didn't. She looked at me and said, how did you know that? I said, I don't even have a revelation on it. I know that's what must have happened. She said, but what should I have done? She said, when it left the first time, what you should have done is said, devil, no. You can't steal my healing. I resist you in the name of Jesus. I will stand you with the word of God. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And what will have happened? The symptoms will have gone. Your healing will have stayed. So many times, because people don't know, many people have lost blessings that God gave them. And then someone will come and, said, and say, well, that healing wasn't real after all. Some of these th preachers, it's nothing to do with the preacher. It's nothing to do with that it wasn't God. It was God. God did it. Somebody had been in pain for a month, for a year, you know, for five years. Suddenly, they are prayed for in the name of Jesus. And the situation vanishes. Look, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that something happened. But if they are not taught in the word, if they are not taught in the word, they are liable to lose it. And many people have lost things that God did for them because they didn't understand this. If the devil shows up, camouflages the problem, camouflages the symptoms all over again, tries to steal what you already have, what do you do? You say, oh boy, come here. In case you can't read, listen. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I've got authority over you. You are not going to put these symptoms back on me. You are not going to put this sickness back on me. I stand against you in the name of Jesus. And what's going to happen? It will go. It will go. It will go. So we've got authority. We've got authority over the devil. Amen. If he tries to steal your healing, stand against him. Stand against him. Kenneth E. Hagin talked about it earlier on, how he got healed. Had two organic heart conditions, incurable. 
He had a blood disease. He was told that if he didn't have the heart condition, the blood disease alone will prove to be fatal. Then he was paralyzed. Totally paralyzed from the waist down. Partially paralyzed from the waist up. It was like 80 to 90% paralyzed. Sometimes even more. They told him nobody in his condition that medical science has any record of has ever lived past the age of 16. They told him he didn't stand one chance in a million to live to be 16. Not that he stood one in a million. He didn't have one in a million he didn't have. The probability that he will live to be 16 was less than 0.000001. That's what he was told. That's bleak. No hope. Well, he got healed acting on Mark 11, 23 and 24. Got raised off that, raised up that deathbed. But this is what happened. A few months after he was healed, you know, now he weighed 89 pounds. He was six feet one, quite tall, 89 pounds, you know. Because he had been bed fast, it took him some time to add some weight, right? That didn't happen supernaturally, you know. You know, that kind comment not by prayer and fasting. This kind comment not in but by eating, you know. So it took some time for him to add some weight. So with his condition, he was still naturally weak. It took him time to, you know, he wasn't used to walking and all that. But this is what happened. The symptoms of the blood disease never came back. The symptoms of the paralysis never came back. But a few months after I was healed, the symptoms of the heart trouble began to come back. He'll be walking down the road. Someone will see him, say, Kenneth, Kenneth, does your heart give you any more trouble? You look like you can hardly put one foot in front of the other. Now, initially, he didn't know better, so he was playing into the hands of the devil. When they tell him that, he'll say, well, yes, some of the symptoms are back. I'm not feeling too fine. You know, then the person will say, oh, let me get the car and take you home. Then they put him in the car, they take him home. By the time he gets home, he'll be worse. He'll have to go in bed and stay in bed for long hours. So that kept happening, and it kept getting worse. It kept getting worse. One particular day, 4 a.m. in the morning, he hadn't slept because of alarming heart symptoms. He told himself, he said, something is not, something, I'm not making my connection somewhere. Something is not working right here. I must be missing it somewhere. God is not the one who misses it. God doesn't miss it. I must be the one missing it. Then he asked himself, where am I missing it? He was unconsciously led by the Spirit of God. He said, okay, when I got healed, what was I doing? Remember, he began to say, based on Mark eleven twenty four, 24, I believe that I receive healing for the heart condition. I believe that I receive healing for the blood disease. I believe that I receive healing for the paralysis. I believe that I receive healing from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Then he asked himself, when those folks ask, I'm making a wrong confession. I've been saying the wrong thing. And the more I've been saying that, the worse I've been getting. Then he said he noticed that when they will ask him, how do you feel? Some words will rise up on the inside of him. But he will have to bite his tongue almost to keep from saying them. You know, based on God's word. Some words will rise up, but he won't say them. Instead, he will say how he felt in the natural, based on his symptoms. He said, I know what I'm going to do. The next time someone asks me, how do I feel? Rather than answering them out of my head, based on my symptoms, I'm going to answer them from the word of God, based on what my heart says. I'm going to stay in faith. Well, the very next day, I was walking down McKinney. You know, there was this friend of his, Eugene Black. Eugene's mom, you see, they had this store downstairs. They lived upstairs. 
Mrs. Mrs. Black called to him. So I'm walking down the road. Say, Kenneth, Kenneth. Same old questions. How do you feel? Does your heart give you any more trouble? You look like you can hardly put one foot in front of the other. Said so he waited for just a while. And from the inside of him, these words rose up. And he spoke them out. So when Jesus was here on earth, he said in Mark eleven twenty four 24, that what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. I prayed and I believe I received my healing. So I'm well, thank you. Mrs. Black looked like someone slapped her in the face. Said, well, well, she kind of recovered herself. Do you want me to call Eugene upstairs to get the car and take you home? Said, the truth is this. Eh? You see what Mrs. Black said? Eh? Her eyes weren't deceiving her. He actually looked like he was about to fall dead. He said, he only looked like that. He felt like that. He felt those symptoms. They were there in his body. But rather than confess the symptoms, he confessed the word. You know? So let me get Eugene to get the car and take you home. No. You see, if Eugene takes the car, gets the car and takes him home, what he's admitting is that I'm sick. You know, sometimes we talk faith, but we act doubt. You see, we talk faith. We act faith. Our words and our actions agree we are believers. The confessions of a doer of the word coincide with his actions. It's a, it's a big mistake to talk faith and at the same time repudiate your confession through wrong action. Well, let me get Eugene to take the car and take you, get the car and take you home. said, no. I'm fine. Because I believe I received my healing, I'm fine. I'll walk. said his flesh felt like, oh dear. Oh dear. He said, then he started walking. He said, really? He felt like he would drop dead and wouldn't get home. Home was one and a half miles away. He said, but with each step he took, he got better. He got better. He said, by the time he got home, he felt like walking another two miles. All the symptoms were gone. He didn't have to go to bed anymore. He kept his healing. Do you see something there? It's like the devil to try to camouflage the symptoms. If the devil tries to camouflage the symptoms, what do you do? You resist him. Maintain your confession of faith. Hold fast to what God's word says. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163